So today we start a new series uh, on the book of, uh, through some verses in the book of John, and the name of the series is, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? We're going to look at the seven I am statements of Jesus, and we're going to discover who Jesus thinks he is and who we should think he is too. And we're going to start in John 6. Hey, I'm so thankful for so many of you who have just been really sweet and kind to me this month and to my wife and sending us cards and gifts for pastor appreciation. I think I'm really thankful for that. Um, but I did want to take just a minute and, and thank the rest of our team at Good News. We have a great team of staff here. They're amazing, and I'm so thankful for each of them. Uh, is the picture there, Kathy? Yeah, there they are. They're amazing. So, so thankful. Y'all give them some uh, applause. All right. John 6. I'm going to read verses 35 through 40. And let's pay attention to it, because this is God's word. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet... Do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to the message of the gospel this morning. That those who have followed you for many years would be encouraged in a fresh way that you are the bread of life. And that those who are far from you would be drawn close to you this morning and become your followers through saving faith in Christ alone. For you are, Jesus, the bread of life. We trust you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to take my weak words and make them strong and effective to win and build and equip your church. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So imagine uh, a man named James. Now listen, James is completely made up. This is not a real person. But you may know James. Imagine meeting James for coffee at a, at a local, you know, Starbucks near the interstate, and as you meet James, he's running late. He gets to the Starbucks a few minutes late, and he, he's so apologetic. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm always running behind. In fact, my wife is so mad at me right now because I was late taking the kids to school again. 
you listen to James over the course of your coffee, and as you have coffee with James, in the midst of the conversation, you notice that his phone is chirping and swishing and swerping and making all sorts of crazy noises with alerts and notifications. Midst of the conversation, one notification pops up, and he says, oh, she's mad at me again. Who's that? Well, my boss, she's mad at me again. I haven't put my contacts into Salesforce. I'm behind on that project again. I don't even know why she wants them. I mean, listen, does she even use that stuff anyway? You listen to him, and you're talking to him, and as you finish up your coffee, you say, hey, are we going to see you on Sunday for worship and for small group? And he says, ah, no. Man, Dave, he's probably going to be mad at me, but we, I've got a baseball tournament in Orlando. My wife's going to Atlanta to run a marathon, but maybe her parents will bring him to church. They're coming to watch the kids this weekend. You know, James, are you James? I know him. I am him. I have good news for James. I have good news for you. God is not on the list of all the people in your life who's mad at you. And I'm not mad at you. God wants you to experience life with him. But what does James need? What does James need? Does James need to, to add one more thing to his life called Jesus? Is that what James needs? It'd be a mighty small Jesus that James would have room for in his life. What James needs, and what I need, and what you need is for a big Jesus to come in to the very center of our lives and become for us the bread of life. As we start this new series on who does Jesus think he is? It's so important to realize that there's only two options. Either you're living on the throne of your life and you have a little Jesus who you're trying to fit into your life. Or you have a big Jesus who's come into the center of your life and he governs, directs all of your decisions and your actions. There's only two ways to live. And if you'll pay attention to what Jesus says when he says, I'm the bread of life, then he'll move a little bit closer to the throne room of your heart. He'll take possession of your heart and life in the very center of things. That's the only place he belongs. Not as one more thing to add to your life, but as the person who sits on the throne of your life, directing all your decisions and all of your actions. John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What does he mean? And why would we need that? And how do we get it? That's what we're going to learn this morning. Jesus is the bread of life. What does he mean when he says that? And, and why do we need that? And how do we get it? Now let's look. Jesus says, 
I am the bread of life. Now, maybe you guys are like me, and, and you've gone through periods of your life where, where you haven't eaten any bread. I mean, it's not really good for your, you know, your stomach. Wheat belly, carbohydrates, nah, it's bad. Until you go to Olive Garden, then it's really good. In, in 1995, I spent the summer in Vladivostok, Russia. And as I spent the summer in Vladivostok, Russia, as a missionary with the Navigators, I lived in a dorm, and, and the only thing that I could find that I could eat on a consistent basis was I would go down to the market, and I would buy a loaf of bread, and I had a, a jar of peanut butter, and I had a jar of Nespresso. And I would drink instant coffee, and bread and peanut butter. Now, for all of you who are on low-carb, bread-free diets, I want to tell you, eating bread and peanut butter and instant coffee, I lost 10 pounds in six weeks. <laughs> so there's that. But I learned that for most people in most places, bread is not the enemy. Bread's the only thing you have. And when Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life, He's saying, I am the only thing you need. I'm the only thing that you have. I'm the thing that you can count on. Because for most people in most places, they didn't have chicken or beef or salmon. They had bread. And they made it every day and they ate it every day. Now, Jesus was born into a Jewish family. And Jesus grew up and he reached the Jews first in his ministry. And the Jews had an even greater story behind the story that Jesus tells when he says, I am the bread of life. And it's in Exodus chapter 16. And in Exodus chapter 16, we read the story of God providing manna from heaven. Then the Lord said, um, no, here we go. We'll start in verse 1. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord, and what are we that you grumble against us? 
behind the story, when Jesus says that I am the bread of life, is the story of Israel in the wilderness when God provided bread from heaven. And he taught the people of Israel that I am the thing that you are to trust in. I am the source of life for you. Don't trust in yourselves. Don't trust in your leaders. Trust in me. I will provide everything that you need. And so in John 6, when Jesus, before he says, I am the bread of life, listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set a seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Israel in the wilderness learned that God was the source of life. That God was their provider. And Jesus Christ, when he says, I am the bread of life, Jesus Christ says, I am the provision of God for you. Everything that you need, every need of your heart, the desire of your heart, is found, answered, and provided for through me. I'm the provision of God. C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity... C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this, God made us, invented us, as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it's not there. Jesus Christ is the one thing your soul was meant to run on. And if you'll take him into the center of your life, he's the one thing that can bring you everlasting joy. 
There's no other source of security, of significance, of success, of happiness, of joy that can sustain you through all of life apart from Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. But there's something else that Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. And that is in his use of the phrase, I am. When Jesus uses the words, I am, he is saying, I'm not just the one sent from God. I am God, the Son, coming into the world to seek and to save you. When Jesus says, I'm the bread, in the bread he's pointing to his being, the provision for all of life. But in the words, I am, Jesus is claiming for himself nothing short of being the God of the Bible who gave the bread in the wilderness and the God of the Bible who has now come near to us. Jesus is saying, I'm God. Now, let me show you that in Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus 3, we're introduced to the name I am. We're introduced to God's revealing himself as the great I am. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now, they may say to me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Now you see the word Lord in your Bibles, it's probably capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And you'll see that word, Lord, in all caps, all through the Old Testament. And anytime you see that, Lord, in all caps, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. And the Hebrew word Yahweh comes from the same root word as the word in Hebrew, Hayah, which is I am. And so when God says, I am who I am, in verse 14, Hayah. And when God says, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has sent me, he's saying that my special name, Yahweh, the Lord, is my revelation of myself as the great I am. The eternal God, without beginning, without end, forever present. I am God and there is no other. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the words for I am are these. Ego, Amy. And when Jesus Christ says, I am the bread, he says, Ego 
a me. Jesus Christ is claiming for himself deity. He's saying, I am fully God in the flesh. I have taken on humanity and I am Yahweh. I am the Lord incarnate in the world to seek and to save that which was lost. I am God. People will say to you, as you try to witness to the greatness of Jesus, people will say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yes, he does. In John 6, 35, he says, I am. And we're going to see six more occurrences where Jesus says, I am. And the Jews who heard him speak knew that that special phrase, ego e me, pointed to his claim that I am not just God from God, I am God. Now, C.S. Lewis, in the same chapter of Mere Christianity, says this, Thus comes the real shock. Among these Jews, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he's always existed. He says he's coming to judge the world at the end of time. And when you have grasped that, you will see that this man said what this man said, quite simply, is the most shocking thing that has ever been uttered by human lips. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, what does it mean? It means I'm the thing you were made to run on. Take me into the center of your life. And when you take me into the center of your life, God moves in because I am God. That's what he means. Now, why do we need it? Why, do we, why would we need that? Blaise Pascal said that there is in every single one of us a vacuum that's the shape of God. And that until God moves in, we will all have a God-shaped hole in our life. Anything you work for, anything you place as the bread of life in your heart, if it's not Jesus, will ultimately disappoint you. If you believe that money is your bread of life, inflation will come along and destroy it. If you believe that beauty or attractiveness are your heart's bread of life, one day you will be shocked to look in the mirror. Or you will go to work and you will find yourself the victim of facial discrimination. If you live for money, or if you live for looks, or if you live for pleasure, if you live for pleasure, you will find that it will take more and more, and it will give you less and less. Ask any addict who's found recovery, and they'll tell you. Money, looks, pleasure, 
anything that you try to live your life for as the bread of life will ultimately disappoint you. It will not fill the God-shaped vacuum in your heart. And so it's so important. It's so important that we give Jesus away to people as the bread of life. It's so important that as parents, we give Jesus to our kids as the bread of life. And we don't give them the impression that anything else other than Jesus is actually the bread of life. Parents, if you try to teach your kids that grades are the bread of life, listen, grades are very, very important, okay? But Jesus is the bread of life. If you try to tell your kids that morals are the bread of life, morals are very important. Obedience is very important. But Jesus is the bread of life. Students, if you try to live with anything else other than Jesus at the center of your life, if you begin to believe that having a boyfriend or having a girlfriend or having a lot of followers and having a lot of likes is the bread of life, you'll be disappointed. But if you will bring Jesus into the center of your life, you may be disappointed by many, many things in life, but he will never disappoint you. Listen, if you're just getting started in your career, if you try to live as if your career is your bread of life, eventually you may have the experience where your position in the company is no longer needed or where your decision to follow Jesus becomes questioned in your office to such a degree that you won't be able to continue with your company. And if on that day, you have allowed your place in the company to be equal with Jesus, and Jesus causes you to lose your place in the com company, you'll be devastated. But if Jesus has been your bread of life, then your security and your significance will be provided for by him. We could go on with example after example of all the different ways that each of our hearts tends to fill the God-shaped hole of our hearts with something other than Jesus. That's why we all need to hear him say, I'm the bread of life. And we need to ask ourselves the question, is he my bread of life? Now, how do we get it? How do we get Jesus into the center of our lives? Well, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35, and he goes on in that passage to say, he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus says that life with him in the center begins with faith. It begins by believing. What is faith? Faith is the empty hand of a beggar reaching up to receive bread from a king. It's reaching out an empty hand to receive. The Christian life isn't something that we try to achieve. The Christian life is something we receive from Jesus. 
Jesus says real life is lived believing in him. It begins when we look at our lives and and we realize that we've been looking to something other than Jesus to be our bread. And we repent. We turn away from that thing that we've been looking to. Money or career or looks or grades or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a status. And we repent. We turn from that thing and we receive bread from Jesus. It starts with admitting that the bad news of our hearts is that our hearts are idol factories that tend to grab hold of something other than Jesus for security and significance. We turn from those things, and when we do, Jesus says, we're welcome home. In John 6, in John 6, verse 27, we read this. Do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Don't work for food. Receive it. Receive the food that God has provided in Jesus as a gift. Receive it. John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Have you? Have you seen in Jesus your bread? Have you taken him into the center of your life? Is he your provision? Is he God to you? Have you committed to him? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Or as Eugene Peterson in the message, his translation of this verse, anyone who sees the son and trusts who he is and what he does and aligns with him will enter real life, eternal life. Have you believed? If you're here this morning and you've never believed in Jesus, won't you? Won't you turn away from whatever source of security your heart is latched onto and trust in Christ? And and if you have, if you have trusted in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you living the real life now? Our action step this week is that we would pursue our joy in Jesus. That we together would pursue our joy in Jesus. See, Jesus, again and again and again, throughout the Gospels, he's always putting his finger on the places in people's life where where they're hungry. In his great parable of the kingdom, he says, The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man, finding it, goes and sells everything that he has, and for joy over finding that treasure, buys the field. He says, listen, the important thing is that your heart is filled with me, that I've come in to fill that God-shaped hole in your life. To To the woman at the well, he said, stop looking to men to fill the void in your heart and look to me, I'm living water. To the rich young ruler, he said, stop putting your hope in your stuff, look to me, follow me. 
Have you had that experience? Of Jesus coming and and putting his finger on the very thing in your life that you're looking to and making you hungry for him? If he has, thank him. It's a gift of grace. He's not angry with you. He wants you to experience life. You should thank him because he wants to move into that very place where you're hungry. He wants to move in and become in your life the source of everlasting joy that your heart and life can live on. Do you know what will make you? You know what will make you seek Jesus as your greatest joy in this life and in eternal life? It's when you realize that for you to be filled, Jesus went hungry. For you to have God move into your life, Jesus experienced absolute deprivation on the cross. For him to move into your life, he had to move away from the Father. On the cross, God took all of our sin and he put it on Jesus and he punished him in our place. And when he did, Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason he was forsaken was so that you could be brought near. Your sin put on him and his righteous life credited to your account so that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you with anger. He looks at you in love. And he desires to move in and fill your life with everlasting joy, both now and for eternity. And the thing that will give you that joy is when you fill your heart and life with an awareness, not of a little Jesus, with a little cross, but with a big Jesus and a big cross who's moved in to do everything for Listen, what in your life, what in your life would you give up? What in your life would you give up if you knew that Jesus was your real joy? That Jesus could really satisfy you with living bread, real bread and living water? What in your life would simply fall away? And what would Jesus... What would Jesus want to add to your life if he became your treasure, if he became your real source of joy, if he was the bread of life in your heart? What would Jesus want to add? And what would you have if Jesus was your bread? What would you have to give away to James or to Jenny? The James and Jennies that you live with and work with and go to the gym with who desperately need to know that there's a man named Jesus who's the bread of life. You invite James, you invite Jenny, and you come back next week when we find out more of who Jesus thinks he is. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. With empty hands of faith, 
We reach up as a beggar to receive bread from a king. Holy Spirit, searcher of hearts, I pray that you would put your finger on the places in our hearts and lives where we're seeking to fill ourselves up with something other than Jesus. Jesus, make us hungry so we'd want your bread. Jesus, thank you that you are God's provision for us. That you lived and died and you rose again for us. Jesus, thank you that you are God. Come into this world to fill every human heart with life and joy. The forgiveness of sins, righteousness, adoption, a transformed life. Jesus, I pray that you would grow bigger and bigger. That no more would we try to fill our lives with one more little Jesus to add to our busyness, but we would have a big Jesus and a big cross. Big enough to change everything. Big enough to direct all our decisions and all our actions. This I pray in your name. Amen. Y'all stand. Let me send you out with this blessing from God's word. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in grace. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.